0: This is the James Cancer Free World podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and my guest is Amy Lindsay. This is our third episode in our ongoing series about care, the care of patients, and also the care of the staff here at the James. This is Amy's specialty taking care of the staff at the James, and she is one of the leaders of the BEST program, which stands for Brief Emotional Support Team, and hundreds of members of the James team have taken the BEST course that Amy teaches, and they have learned the basics of how to take better care of themselves and one another during stressful times through wellness, mindfulness, and resiliency. Welcome to the podcast, Amy.
1: Well, thank you. Happy to be here.
0: So, Amy, before we dive in and talk about best, i'm always curious about people's backgrounds and how they ended up doing what they do and how you came to be not just a nurse but to specialize in perhaps the the wellness and resiliency and the- psychology aspects of nursing.
1: um Well, I started in uh, English literature. And from there, I moved, uh, after I graduated, to a copy editing position. And there, I tried to work diligently and quietly. But uh, over time, I started peeking over my cubicle more frequently than I was probably uh, editing and just wanting to interact with um, my coworkers, wanting to know what was going on in their lives. And, oh, you seem down today. What's going on? And I started to wonder if I could get a job maybe just talking <laughs> to people <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and um, listening uh, to people, and felt more rewarded going home after I'd helped somebody with a problem or something as opposed to maybe correcting the grammar of one of my coworkers. So,
0: now as a former newspaper reporter, I understand the importance of copy editors. Copy editors are the ones that. Take care of our stories and make sure we spelled everything correctly, uh-huh. the facts are right. It's kind of a solitary job, but an important one. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and so, being a people person, I can see uh-huh. where your problems might have come in. So, from there, yeah. why nursing? Were you a, a natural caregiver? Um, I have a feeling you were.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I guess I always like to listen and like people's stories. Um, but Yes, I was not very good at being solitary or being very quiet. My manager figured that out (laughs) pretty quickly, but I'd always sort of been interested in the sciences, and so I sort of, actually there were a ton of, uh, there's a ton of copy uh, related to nursing at the time, so uh, that was something that sort of kept popping up, and there was a program at OSU that sounded really good to me, and I checked it out, and here I am today, psychiatric nurse. So
0: So there you a psychiatric nurse and actually I, I checked this out at the official title is Psychiatric Mental Health Clinical Nurse Specialist. That's in addition to your RN, you have that training. Is that a degree or
1: Yes. It's a well, it's a certification too. Um, and a licensure and all that good stuff. Um, so it's a master's degree and it's an, uh, advanced practice nurse role. So like an NP, there's, um, CNPs, there's CNSs, there's, those those are
0: a lot of letters. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there are a lot of letters. Um, but an advanced practice nursing role just usually involves, um,
0: and so your advanced practice nursing certificate and training is in, uh, psychiatric. Yep. And so what does that mean? You you combine nursing and psychiatry, I take it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So how do you do that?
1: Well, um, lots of different ways. That's kind of the neat thing about this advanced practice preparation. Um, There's a clinical piece where we could see patients directly, but there's also a lot of education. Um, We do things with quality. We do things with education and research. So... Uh, it's pretty multifaceted.
0: Now, when you say see patients, actual patients admitted to the hospital, and then also I take it staff members. Yes. So that we're getting close. We're getting yeah, close wow. to best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but first, I've also, we've talked before, there's, uh, it originated through a program called STAR, which I don't know what it stands for, but you guys have great acronyms. Yes. So the, tell us first <laughs> a little bit about the STAR program and how that led to BEST. Sure.
1: Um, STAR was a program um, started at uh, Stress, Trauma, and Resiliency. And it has several arms. It originally started in the community as a offering to people who had been traumatized, and one of the ways that we normally think of trauma. Um, through a violent crime or something like that. And they developed different interventions for these individuals. And when people would come into the emergency department um, for various traumas, the STAR team would be there, be available. And the staff would sometimes say, hey, what about us? You know, we see these kinds of um, events every day, and it takes a toll. It takes a toll on us witnessing um, the traumas as well, so that is sort of where um, the program grew into Best, which is the brief emotional support team, and that is focused on um, supporting your peers, supporting other healthcare providers um, in those difficult moments.
0: So Best is for um, the staff, yes. And are both of these Star and Best are unique to Ohio State?
1: They're, yes, um, they are. Sort of premier in their um, position in the, I guess, the nation, you could say. There are other programs similar to these, but ours is really robust and um, has been going on for a long time. So, pretty proud of that.
0: So, tell us about the best program. So, and this is the thing that um, I don't quite understand. It's there's two prongs to it. One is you can work directly with staff in your role as a, as a psychiatric nurse, but you also teach people to help themselves. So walk us through both of those parts of it.
1: Sure. Um, my role as a clinical nurse specialist in mental health is to care for staff, primarily. That's my job. And then the best, I get to help teach that program as part of my overall role. So we have had probably, oof, 700-plus people throughout the system take the best classes. Uh, It's a four-hour class, and it consists of – there are several things that we want people to take away. First, we've got a bunch of caregiver types that are coming into the class anyway, so we have kind of a nice baseline of people who are interested in helping already. But um, the primary things that are needed are something called psychological first aid, and that's when there's a difficult situation uh, in the hospital, say a difficult code situation, um, and staff has you know either had a hard time um, because it's emotional, so a best trained person would come in with their psychological first aid knowledge and be able to support that person more thoroughly and really it just includes um, assessing the situation, assessing the person's needs, making sure that they're comfortable. Um, making sure that they have the resources that they need and really just offering compassion and really acknowledgement that something has happened that's difficult as opposed to, okay, I just witnessed something that's traumatic and now I'm going to go, you know, about the rest of my day and sort of stuff that down. We kind of want to make sure people are...
0: Yeah, that's a great point because... So many traumatic, difficult things happen on a regular basis in a cancer hospital, and you've got to take a moment to recognize that, right?
1: Yep. Yep. We absolutely do, because it builds up over time, and, yeah. and it's important to acknowledge that it does happen. Otherwise, it can come out sideways or uh, just take a toll over time.
0: So then what would be the next part of the class?
1: I'll next um, would be understanding um, crisis intervention and crisis intervention management and how like what the steps of that are uh, over time or in, you know, with something like COVID and a pandemic and how that plays out over a period of time and what that looks like for individuals and the different ways that they can respond to trauma. Not everybody responds the same way. I don't know, even just having a bad day or having some difficulty at home and you notice that a coworker is like a little bit out of it, like, hey, what's going on with you? Are you doing okay? Are things okay at home? Especially during COVID, um, you know, like, ah, the kids are at home and um, teaching and trying to be a nurse and this and that, just sort of checking in with one another to something like a traumatic code situation or something um, important as the cumulative nature sometimes of grief right. and a lot of losses over time regarding what they are. Losses not necessarily just death and dying, but, you know, any number of things. Um, they do, they pile up. And if you're not doing something to counter that, then it can take a toll.
0: Did you find that over the past year plus during the COVID pandemic, that there were no- more needs for your services and for best?
1: Yes. Uh, we are very fortunate that we had these things in place already, that our organization has committed to uh, prioritizing our wellness as employees and as a organization. So we had some nice cushions, and um, I think our level of resiliency was probably a little higher than places that didn't have those same advantages. So, So that was a good thing having best in place and having all these people already trained, you know, people are kind of primed to be looking in on each other a little bit more frequently and having a little bit higher skill set when it comes to support and knowing the resources and knowing the things that we could do to, to make it through.
0: Okay. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm curious to hear about what people learn in best so they can help themselves through some of the things uh, you've mentioned, like mindfulness and resiliency. We'll be right back. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer. Yours. At the James, we go beyond the routine. To prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Amy Lindsay, a psychiatric mental health clinical nurse specialist, and we're talking about the BEST program. And so, Amy, I think we're up to the point now where I'm very curious about what I would learn through the program, through mindfulness and resiliency. What are some of the techniques that I could use to, to help myself deal with stress and anxiety? Which everyone deals with in all of life. So maybe we can uh, help some other people out there.
1: All right. Well, that sounds good. So one of those would be mindfulness. Um, our hospital has a great, uh, a great respect, I think for mindfulness and we have a great uh, program throughout the university and hospital system. And that's mindfulness in motion, which uh, was developed by Marianna Klatt and, I've actually taken uh, and has helped me a great deal in being present in the moment and understanding more about yourself and your body, how you respond to stress, and more importantly, what you can do to decrease it, minimize it. And mindfulness essentially is uh, best summed up in a Zen proverb, which is when you're walking, walk, and when you're eating, eat. Eat. And it's as simple. Don't,
0: don't try to do eight things. Yeah, at once, exactly. And-
1: like stop living in modern mm-hmm. times yeah. uh, is basically what it's asking
0: us to do, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Yes,
1: it is. So that sounds very simple, but it can be very difficult.
0: How can people in their everyday lives? How do you teach the staff to take a moment and be mindful?
1: Well, I'm so glad you asked. There, One of my favorite things about mindfulness is the fact that you can incorporate it into your daily life no matter where you are. It's really just being present in the moment, using your five senses to experiencing things um, in a way that we don't always do because we're rushing around. And one thing we do with staff – one of the, well, I had a mentor actually who taught me this a long, long time ago, and she basically said – That whenever she goes into a room um, to see a new patient or have a new interaction, she would get her hand sanitizer and she would say, I'm calm and confident in all situations while she cleaned her hands. And then she would enter the room. And that is a mindful practice right there. That is a way of being mindful, just taking that moment, resetting, taking a breath, and then entering into a new space with a new person and not thinking about what you have to do three doors down or you know, three hours later or picking the kids up or, oh, I forgot to turn that off this morning. It's really saying I'm here, I'm with this person, and I'm going to be here now in this moment.
0: I, I like that example of using the hand sanitizer because a doctor and a nurse are going to do that anyway. 40 times a day. So there's 40 40- <laughs> – brief moments of mindfulness and is there there's there must be a cumulative effect if you do it a lot of times those brief seconds it makes you less stressed and anxious
1: it does make you less stressed and anxious over time even just connecting with your breath at all immediately there are effects that impact your nervous system that are going to slow you down so yeah but over time The neat thing is it starts – as you become more present, you start to understand yourself better and your patterns better so you can start to choose the way you feel or choose the way that you respond. So if you're going to see a patient, you're like well, running in there like, oh, God, i got to give this lady this, that, and the other, and you're going in there and then over time you realize, wow, I really am rushing into these rooms and if I – do something to slow down, then I'm going to have a more worthwhile interaction, which is what keeps us coming back to this kind of job and work and be present and have this, you know, you're going to be more effective in what you do, you're going to be more focused, and you're going to have a better connection. I'm always trying a little bit of everything. I, Because I'm constantly looking for new things for people to try, I am usually doing at least one new little meditation or little mindfulness um, activity a day.
0: Oh, there's another great word that we hear a lot lately, meditation. So give us a brief explanation of how you can incorporate meditation into your, your work day.
1: Well, the great thing is meditation is a type of mindfulness. There are mindful meditations. So really, it's just anything that you're doing to slow yourself down to slow your nervous system down, that promotes a general sense of well-being. So you can do walking meditations. You can do eating meditations. You can do meditations before you sleep. It's really just being uh, focused on the breath, even just taking three deep
0: breaths. It all counts. Okay. So mindfulness and meditation are, are closely related. Yes. So I've got to imagine that the culture... At the James and at every hospital, the doctors, nurses, everyone it 's all about the patient patient is first, second, and third it 's not about me. How do you get how do you break through that culture of patient first to get the staff to understand the port the, the importance of of taking care of themselves?
1: Well, you would be correct, Steve. It is a hard. Um, business to convince caretakers to care for themselves.
0: Yeah, because the bride, very the very nature of being a caretaker is taking caregiver is taking care of someone else.
1: Yes, and that is something we've definitely had to work with. Well, one thing we have is relationship based care, which is a nursing philosophy um, that we use at the James, and that really has filtered its way into different disciplines, and that's. We focus on four caring relationships, and that's care of self, uh, care of our colleagues, care of patient, and care of the community. So that is a big base for what we do and what we believe and, and that,
0: that was the topic in our first. Oh, was care it? Yes, I'm podcast. sure. Okay,
1: so you know about it. Did I do uh, Yeah. Okay. So yes, this care of self, it took a while to get people on board, but they seem to understand a bit better. That in order to care for somebody else, you've got to you've got to be okay.
0: Well, there you go. That's the bottom line: is if if you're the better shape you're in, the better care you can provide for others, right?
1: Yep. And it's people. Well, see, so I said you can't, but you can, and you can do it for a pretty long time. Worry about everybody else. Okay, and eventually, but it's not yeah. sustainable.
0: So that was a great overview on on the best program and why it's so important here at the James for everyone to take care of themselves. So what's sort of the, the takeaway that people listening can learn and, and apply to their own lives?
1: I would say be gentle with yourself would be the first thing. Um, we talk about self care a lot and uh, in time of pandemic and recovering from a pandemic and it's uh, important to take double good care of yourself it's difficult, and in the process, I think we really need to reach out and be supporting each other. I think that's what's gotten us through, at least what staff tells me time and time again, that it's the teamwork and it's the people they work with that uh, make things possible. So just really to you know, take care of yourself uh, gently and uh, take, keep taking care of each other.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solove Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.